Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC talks with John Womack, who is the Managing Guides Editor with Iron Solutions by Randall Riley. This episode of the Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast is brought to you courtesy of the Dealership Mind Summit. Let's jump in as Casey and John talk about what they're seeing in the used equipment market right now, including a buildup of used combines and a leveling out of large row crop tractors. First off, just get let's get your feel for the marketplace, John. As you look out there right now and you see what's happening around you, what are you seeing happening right now? What are some of the hot spots? What are some of the of the you know, hey, it's 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 par for the course type stuff? And then what are you uh, what are you watching right now that's got you a little bit concerned? Well, one of the things that it's always type by type by type, and it's sometimes it's even class by class. Um, you know, like on four wheel drives, it depends on whether or not it's got wheels or if it's got tracks. Sure. Yeah. So. You know, but I guess starting where everyone always starts, which is combines, I've seen combines really starting to everyone saying that they're flat, but you know, with every up, with every up, there's a down. So when you start to see something come up and then you start to see a flattening happen, that's telling me what's coming. So therefore the guide, um, everyone's probably seen that that uses the guy. We've started to, uh, to turn down combines ever since December because I do see this big wall coming that I think that we're going to hit sooner rather than later. I think we've got a lot of combines that are going to end up coming back. I think a lot of dealers took allocation, whether or not you took full allocation or not. There's a lot of combines that are going to come in and we're going to end up with a lot of combines that have very low set powers on them. So it means you're going to end up with quite a few expensive trades and then you figure the interest rate into that. However, they're still very expensive, but you do have a little bit of price protection there with your, uh, with your new price increases. So I can see that I can see that maybe helping it out a little bit, but I do think that combines are probably going to be the first thing to, you know, call it fall off the ship or I just say take a take a decline. Um I do think that they're down almost across the board, but I do think that your bigger classes, class eights, class nines, are down maybe a little bit more than class sevens. Class sevens for some reason saw a little bit of a spike in in February. I think that that is just something that we're just going to see for like a month, maybe two, sure. and then it's going to all kind of kind of fizzle out. Um, what has really gotten my attention has been large row crop tractors. So basically everything from about a 280 horse, 275 horse, all the way up to a 400, 410. Mm-hmm. They have really leveled out. All of my data is showing me that they've leveled out. Um, I've been told by multiple dealers and a lot of my data is telling me that the supply of those is starting to come back a little bit. Not, I'm not going to sit here and say that lots are filling up or anything like that because that's just not true. However, if you look at where we were a year ago and then we look at now, there's a substantial difference. I mean, we were putting, you know, 20, 30,000 bucks in each, in each tractor, each large row crop tractor in the guide. And I, was seriously thinking, hey, I'm I can't keep up with this. Like this is absolutely insane. And you compare that to the last guide where everything was just flat. Mm-hmm. They're not going down. Right. They're not really coming up. They're just flat. Exactly. They're just holding yep. where they're at. Yep. Um then the next group that I've been taking a look at, if you're talking about large equipment, we can get to small equipment if you want to, but nine R's like I just talked about a second ago, 
if it's got wheels, that means one thing. If it's got tracks, that means another thing. Right. And most of those are different things. I've been seeing and hearing that dealers are not really having that hard of a time getting wheeled stuff. It's like actually a little bit of a surprise, but the tracks are non-existent almost. So as far as the guide is concerned, been really looking, been really looking at that data and trying to stay as current as possible. However, that 9R market, from my experience, gets hot and cold. It can get hot and cold very, very, very quickly. However, right now, when we're dealing with a supply issue, I think that it's just going to remain hot. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're what we're prepared for. And until the data tells me to turn it another way, I think that's what we're going to probably stay with. Now, when we start putting this next summer guide together, I could get a massive amount of data that tells me something different. However, the way it's looking right now is that they're probably going to stay pretty hot through the end of the year. Right. Yep. Um, and then like your small, small ag stuff, lots are starting to fill up. I've been driving around looking at lots right around in here in Tennessee, and I've seen a lot of lots starting to fill up. A lot of that stuff is very heavily dependent upon the general economy. We got the Fed last week that came out and said that they were going to raise rates again. And it said that, uh, you know, the raising, the raising of rates is not, it's not catching up to what the economy is actually doing. So does that mean they're going to continue to raise rates? It very well could. However, to your normal homeowner, I would think that they would not rush out to go buy a one-year-old $20,000 compact right now. Got still quite a few guys buying new because they're getting that 0% interest. A lot of guys are still running the 0% interest. You're getting full warranty with that. You know, a lot of that, a lot of that is going on. However, what I've been focusing on is getting enough money between a brand new compact tractor or a utility tractor and a one-year-old. Because it, it doesn't matter if that one-year-old has 10 hours on it or five hours on it or whatever. It's still a one-year-old. You still can't get the cut on interest and you still, um, you still have to pay. I mean, you still have to pay for it and you have one year less warranty on it. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell, that's kind of what we've been facing. A lot of, a lot to digest there, but you know, different, different parts of the industry are reacting very differently. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a pretty good synopsis of what we see out there. I think you hit on combines. I think combines are always the, they're the whipping post of every, of every, whether it's a good time or a bad time, they're the whipping yeah. post of everything out there. So if you take a look right now, so I, I've been, I've started doing the thing where I started following the number of machines that are out there on, um, uh, listed out there that have $500,000 or more as far as an advertised values go. Mm-hmm. And the reason I watch that so closely is <clears throat> I'm a big washout cycle guy and the washout cycle makes, makes the world turn as far as I'm concerned, but it's, Absolutely. it's, uh, when you're, when you're looking at how those things play together and how that comes together and what that looks like, the, the price of equipment now, uh, especially combines have tractors, you name it. The, the number of units that it takes to wash out now is now probably three or four more times than, than it was previously. I used to always use three and a half to four times to, to wash out maybe four and a half at the most. Um, rarely did I ever say five was the number that you needed to see, but it was three and a half to four was a pretty common thing. And if you look at how combines play out, you would, you know, I knock it in the head 
each washout when you start figuring out everything that plays into that and that kind of how that, that number kind of played out. You look at it now, I mean, you're looking at, I did it the other day and to get down to where, you know, that hundred and less than a hundred thousand, less than $75,000 machine. It's like eight, you know, like yeah. you're, eight, you're eight, you're eight down there now. So, I mean, that's, uh-huh. that's extended the amount of time that we see out there and we've been, and we extended the amount of uh, every, just dollars and, what's tied up and all those things come to play. So the other day I was doing some research and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to look and see how many machines actually in that 500,000 plus range, how many machines are actually out there. And it was whatever it was like 1200 machines or something like that. Mm-hmm. That fall into that. If you drill down into that and say, okay, well, what's, you know, 400 engine hours is roughly 200 separator hours, you know, plus or minus, you know, 50 hours, 20, 25 to 50 hours, depending on what it right. is. But when you put in 400 engine hours and it pulls all that stuff down, there's 846 machines and the uh, average price is 563,000 bucks. Where my, my concern for combines is it's not so much the number of combines that are out there that I'm so worried about. Right now, I think we're sitting at historical data. If you go back and look at 21, 20, something like that, um, we're kind of getting close to that, that number of machines on the marketplace, uh-huh. um, which if you come down to 21, I mean, there was a big, this time in 21, you started seeing a, a bunch of machines sell off and, and right. that looks like, but I don't know that we're ever going to have that same, you know, 19, 18 or 19 time frame number again, just because we don't have the machines. There's not that many I, machines. Right. And no. if, and if we ever did get back to that time frame, it's going to take quite some time to do it. Yeah, it's going to really. One thing I will say about combines as compared to everything else is that we didn't quite sell out of combines like we did tractors, especially not eight R's or nine R's, you know, we're even getting down to six R's. So I do think that there was some that were left on the market. Now, whether or not those were older combines that probably just need to be sent to auction to begin sure. with, yeah. um, or you just, you're wholesaling them, whatever, you know, I did have some, I have had some dealers tell me that they did end up with, some of those older models that they still weren't moving just because no one was interested in that older model due to whatever you want to call it, set hours, technology, whatever you want to call it right. or how big it is. So I do think we still have some of those lingering around like we always have, but I do think that it is that supply is going to come back. I don't necessarily know if it's going to come back, like you said, like it was in 19 or 18, but I have been following that. But like what you were saying, what's, getting my attention the most is how expensive they are. Yeah. And when you're rolling out of say like an S 600 series, whether that be a, a 70, 80 or 90, and then you're rolling into an S 700 series outside of probably like a 17 model, there's a substantially, a uh, substantial amount of money there. And yeah. then you throw in, you know, you got your guys got to operate and loan now that is seven, eight, 9%, depending on where you're at. And then you take your equipment loan and you put it right on top of that. And they're, you know, we're not going to probably cut interest on, you know, an 18 model combine. Right. So therefore, you know, that's a, that's a tough sale. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very tough sale. So that's what I'm a little bit concerned about, I guess you could say. And it's, it's going to take in a minute, I think to play out, but that's what we've been kind of gearing up gearing up toward to look to look at because you know when combines fall they fall quick yeah yeah i think from the combine side of it when i'm looking at 
how this plays out, what this looks like, and how all these things come to come together, and all the moving parts that we see. To me, it's not so much that combines are the high price that they are, because if you if you take a look at the a price of a combine relative to the new one, I mean, just like this average price I just said here, if it's a class eight combine, which you know these this is just every combine out there, but mm-hmm. you know you're looking at class eight combine now, whether you're looking at Lexion Deer case whoever you know it's it's a six hundred thousand plus dollar expensive, yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you start you start dialing that in you start looking at that you know there there is there's some benefit to buying a used one you know when you start looking at at that overall but that's always been that's no different than in past history too but yeah that's yeah that's no different than no yeah. different than normal times and the way and the decision that a farmer has to make i think it's the I think it's pretty close to the same decision. You're just dealing with a hell of a lot more dollars. Yeah. And I think one thing too, to put in that, in that, when that caveat, when I tell people that is like, now the caveat there is back when a 2010, 9770, you're paying $235,000 for that machine brand new, right? Yeah. 250, maybe, you know, and mm-hmm. the 2011, no, 2020, yeah, 2012, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, same comparable machine there. I don't remember what the price increase was, but you're paying now you're paying close to, you know, somewhere between 250 and 300 for that machine. Right. Mm-hmm. So now <clears throat> the big difference between that was, yeah, the user one was always cheaper. Same, the same percentages were there, right. Yep. Relatively the same percentages are here too. It's just the numbers are bigger and that's, that's exactly, that's exactly and that's, right. And you're dealing with yeah. a lot higher interest, rates. a lot higher interest rates. And that's exactly right. So if you, if you look at, um, where we're at now and you're looking at how interest plays into this um it the the one thing i think in the marketplace as you look and, and see what's happening and things are moving forward is that going into this time frame when the shortages all happen the uh the overall fleet was as old as it's ever been right i mean yep. it's the oldest it's ever been in the history of of you know me- mechanical farming equipment right yep. so that's feeding that and you start looking at guys are like man i've I've put the last dollar i'm putting in this machine or i've reached the the point of depreciation or whatever it is that they're measuring and it's time to come back in and then look at something different the the issue is i think a lot of guys where there's some of the shock is coming from with some of these guys is that the last machine they bought the, the trade difference is just as much as the machine was that they bought that they're trading in and that's, exactly that's, that's right. the shocking thing to them. And then it and is. they were thinking like, I'm going to get a $200 machine and I'm going to be able to trade for this. And then you get that. And it's like, Holy crap. No, I got, so now you're, now you're looking at going from a 300 hour machine or whatever it is to maybe a 700 hour machine to fit your budget. And I think that is where some of this, some of this washout cycle stuff, in my opinion is, is where the issue is. Because if you look at how these things flow out and how this thing comes together, the front end of the washout cycle is clear full, right? The end of the washout cycle is clear full because we still got all those 12s and 13s and 14s and right. you know, those 75 to $40,000 machines. There's just as many of those machines at the end of that as there is at the beginning of yeah, it. There is at the front. That's exactly there's, right. There's not a yeah. lot in the middle. And I think that's, that's a problem that we see, but that's, if you look at, at the entire Real crop tractors, four wheel drives, combines. It's the same with all of them. It's the same. It's always it's the same, same with all of them. But those those tractors are reacting a little bit differently than combines right. are, just because it's like the old it's uh it's like the old saying is it's a heck of a lot easier to get out of a tractor than it is a combine. Every guy needs a tractor. Sure. Not every guy needs a combine. 
Right. And I think, or, you know, another combine or, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, there's but the side of that on the combine side, if you really wanted to, to look at it, you can hire that done. You can get a custom to come in and combine your wheat or corn or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, you know? that's so. exactly right. I mean, custom custom harvesting um, is always going to be here. Mm-hmm. That's all, and that's always going to happen. Uh, there's custom, you know, custom harvesting. No matter what crop you have, there's custom picking for corn or for uh, for cotton. Sure, it's always going to be a it's always going to be a thing. But you so you talked about one of the farming scenarios. Um, or the farmer scenario, I guess you could say. In my opinion, there's two different farm scenarios. You talked about one of them. I think the other one is, is that you'll have a farmer that says, Hey, I've got some equipment that is, uh, I could probably keep it for another year, maybe two and not have to put a whole lot of dollars into it. Operate. I keep on talking about operating loan, operating loans at an all time high as far as interest rates are concerned. Equipment loans are up there you know as well so we have all of this happen and he says prices are inflated you talked about you know the trade differences and everything else the trade difference shocked him at the dealership and he just can't quite get over it so what's that guy going to do he's going to sit on his hands that's exactly what he's going to do so will you have more of that or will you have more guys that are shocked by it but then they just kind of decide to get over it because they've got to turn their equipment i think you're going to have both the question is that i don't know the answer to is what more are you going to have because if you have quite a few people that are just going to sit around and see what happens Mm -hmm. equipment can stack up a little bit but i don't know if that is going to happen full force across the u.s We'll get back to the discussion in a moment, but first I wanted to thank our sponsor, the Dealership Mind Summit. The Dealership Mind Summit returns August 1st and 2nd in Bloomington, Illinois, with a focus on sales management. To download the program and register, visit dealershipmindsummit.com. Now back to Casey. So I think, in my opinion, I don't know that we have the, the well... I mean, if you got one machine that nobody wants to buy, you have, you have a problem, right? So... Um, if you, however you scope that, I think as I look at it, I don't necessarily see that there's going to be a huge issue with inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to be more creative on how you get it financed and, and how you play the game and all that. But I don't, I don't necessarily ever see, you know, uh, a win row of combines on someone's lot anymore. I don't see that. I don't see that in the future just because of the sheer fact of the number of, um, there's just not that many machines, right? There's just not that many machines. That's right. You break that down by the number of dealers and everything. It's really not that many machines. So, mm-hmm. I think the saving grace and all this, in my opinion, this is something I, I I love to have your opinion on because it's going to directly affect the way you do business is as these machines start to age out and we start looking at some of this stuff, more and more of these retro kits or upgrade kits or whatever it is you want to call them. We see it right now. I mean, I think the number of planners on the marketplace is only like 1500 planner or something like that. I got to go back and look what it is, but it's not very many. It's there's yeah. hardly any planners out there and the same as sprayer. There's hardly any sprayers out there. So mm-hmm. your, your option is find that one year old planner someplace and it's parked next to the unicorn and, and Bigfoot is riding unicorn around the lot looking at this. Mm-hmm. Planner, right. So if you find that planner, then great. You, you've, you've, you know, you've got your stuff there, but the, the easier option is I'll just upgrade it. I'll just take I'll just upgrade. That's exactly right. And that's been happening with planners 
That's been for a while. long time. Sure. And there wasn't very much of a spotlight shined on it until it started ha- started happening with uh, self-propelled equipment. You know, sprayers is probably going to be the going to be the first one. I remember when before Deer came out with Exact Apply, we were retrofitting R series sprayers with capstan. Yeah. And it was a retrofit upgrade. And I mean, I remember when guys would come in with, you know, match merge XP units and, you know, start putting uh, different row units on there so they could run a Pro Max 40C plate with a, you know, with a knockout wheel. Yep. You have all of that, you, you have all of that, you know, all that plays, all that plays into it. You can retrofit them with wet kits and precision planning, and it's not that hard to do. Right. Not that hard to do. There's a ton of planners out there that the only thing that's the same when they bought it is the toolbar. Right. I think now with the, and I think this is where the retro kit thing is going to start to really take off and run is that if you wanted to use a precision s- setup, um, you had to buy 2020 downforce. You had to buy, yeah. you know, all the, all the things, the, the, all the various components and then go through and piece those components on row by row by row. Mm-hmm. Now you're running into this the fact now where you don't just, you get the row and you put the row on the bar and then you're, yeah. you're good to go. And I think that's where, and the same thing on the plant on the sprayer side is that you can upgrade booms now to whatever, you know, you can, you can put, you know, air purge systems and, and reclaim systems and all these different things on these machines now that instead of it being a piece by piece partnered out type thing, it's all one component and y'all, you just bolt on, bolt off. And it's not not making it way simpler than it is, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's, but it's about that simple, you know, like you're you're not really oversimplifying, you know, there are some companies out there that have figured this out, that they saw, they saw this coming and we have seen it coming as well. However, when it actually takes off, I think it's going to come pretty quick. I just don't necessarily know if it's here in full force yet. Yep. Um, but no, I do, I do see, I do see some of this coming because you have equipment that is getting more and more expensive mm-hmm. and you have farmers that are just pushing away from the table. And that's just, that's just the way, that's just the way that it is. And I think that's going to continue to happen until we have some, you know, until we start talking about autonomy, until we start talking about, you know, stuff, uh, stuff like that, because, I've never heard a single farmer say, well, I say a single farmer, I haven't heard very many farmers say, I'm going to go smaller this year. And I think that plays into planters, you know, so um, you talk about high speed planters and, you know, and everything else. So is the high speed planter going to make that farmer buy smaller planter? I don't necessarily think that's true. I think that, the guy that's always bought a 12 row is going yeah. to continue to buy a 12 row and he's just going to get it done faster. Yeah. So I really thought when I thought when the high speed planner thing came around that we would see, you know, basically you, you, you could cut your planner size in half and still get the same amount of stuff done. Right. In hindsight, in hindsight, that makes, that makes sense. However, you just you now very you're rarely see a guy downsize on horsepower of a tractor. Yeah. So why would he downsize on row units? Yeah. And I think now, I mean, now you got a guy that's got the 24 row planner that's got the high speed just that and the other thing um he was planting 24 24 acres an hour and now they're planting 48 acres an hour you know um i think that stuff there so so what i was getting at too on, on the uh upgrade side of it is there's going to come a point in time when a piece of equipment is going to be worth what it's upgradable to 
right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be different machines that are you're going to have a stopping point somewhere because of processor speed or who God knows what that's going to eliminate that machine from getting the latest and greatest technology. Now I might get you know Gen two technology and Gen three is available now, and you can't put Gen two or Gen three on this or whatever. But looking at that, I mean, I think three years from now, conversation I'm having with customer might very well be you have whatever 36 row units of something and you want to trade in, you know, we're going to trade those row units for these new row units. And then we start going down that path or, or this wet systems. Now we're going to trade for this wet system. Now the machine you've got, you're going to just, just put the new whatever on it, but you're keeping the same power unit. You're just putting a different system on there. I think there's a day in the not too distant future where a guy trades a sprayer in and there's a stock number on the wet unit and a stock number on the machine. And those are going to be two, some guy in Minnesota buys a wet unit and some guy in Texas buys the, buys the power unit. And and now you've, cause you know, the wet unit can be upgraded to the latest chassis that's out there or vice versa, you know, and it's just going to be a, a whole thing. That's kind of already happening with dry boxes though. Sure. Yeah. yeah there's certain dry boxes you can't put on other machines, you know, and that's, that's- that's you know that's exactly right. I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want this new later dry box on, you know, on this uh, this sprayer, then you can do it, but you cannot, you can't do it in a belt over chain, or you can't do it this way, or you can't do it that way. That's the very real thing, right. you know. And you got guys that are trading wet kits off of this, trading wet kits off of that. Now I remember my times at the at the dealership when dry boxes were you know start getting big and we'd go out and we'd uh we'd calibrate them you know uh and everything else a lot of those guys were not ordering dry box units they were ordering dry boxes and then we were taking the wet kits off the off the sprayers turning them down a pretty much bare frame and then putting the dry boxes on them right so that's i mean that could very well happen with a whole lot more things other than that the question is is that so when you upgrade this guy to the newest wet kit mm-hmm. and you trade him out of the oldest wet kit. Where does that oldest wet kit go? Well, I think it's just like any other used equipment thing. Now there's going to be guys that can afford the latest and greatest technology and they're going to be able to use that. And then it's going to, you know, then you have a, you have your A customer, B customer, C, so on and so forth. And it's just going to trickle down that way. So I guess the question I have for you is, how are you going to, I mean, have you thought about that? How are you going to look at that? Definitely, definitely thought, definitely thought about it. And we could have to get creative. One of the things that, that the guide has always, uh, has always been, um, I don't necessarily know the, know the word known for is that if you cannot find it inside of the manufacturer price pages, then we can't put it in there as an option. And the reason why that is, is because we trust the manufacturer with the pricing. We don't necessarily want to have to call this company and this company and this company and get the pricing. If it, you know, if it has a case or a John Deere or a New Holland or, you know, a a Caterpillar head, you know, letterhead on it, we trust that pricing. So I do think as, as time continues that if we do not have the pricing on that from the OEM, we may have to get creative. I do not necessarily know how we would how we would do that. I don't necessarily want to speculate and sure. you know have a lot of people saying, well, you know, John said this, John said that. No, I don't necessarily want to speculate. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to speculate on that. 
However, one of the things that we pride that we pride ourselves on is making a tool to allow our customers to have as much insight into into their customer base as they possibly can, into their market as they possibly can, to have the results out of that product from building that insight, and then in turn you're building the better relationship with your customer or with you know your business is building a be- uh, building an overall better relationship uh, with the marketplace, you know so on and so forth. So if it does come down to that, we will have no choice but to do something. Right. However, what we will do, I can't tell you that right now. Right. Well, I was hoping you had yeah all the answers, John, because I I need a I well. Need a, I, you know. No, I mean. <laughs> That's the reason why I call you a lot of times, Casey. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's uh, in the same hole. And there's no fish in there sometimes, John. Well, that's 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 true. Uh, but I will I will say this: it has been talked about quite a bit. And you know, another thing that I've said is that you know, I'm if one dealer calls me, I'm reluctant to make a very big change because one dealer calls me. Sure. However, if you're talking to twenty different dealers and they're you know, north, south, east, west, and they're all saying the same thing. Well, it's, you know, it's pretty obvious what what needs to happen. Probably need to make a change. Yeah, probably need to probably need to make a change there. And that's one of the things that I have prided myself on is getting in touch with dealers, talking to dealers about how do we do stuff, how do we do things. You know, ever since I, in case you've been a part of it as well, ever since I came on as managing guides editor, I have been reaching out to customers more to get their feedback on our product. You know, I've said this plenty of times, which is I want to know what we're doing good or we're doing well. So we continue to do it. But what I'm more interested in is where can we improve? What I mean, because if you're not in, in this business, you're either growing or dying. There's no third direction. Sure. Um, and there's no running in place. People say running in place. Well, if you're running in place, then you're losing money, in my in my opinion. So reaching out to customers, trying to get the heartbeat of the market, trying to figure out what we can do to better serve our customers and telling them, you know, our data story, telling them the Iron Guy story. Why are we different from anyone else that's out there? What makes us more relevant? What makes our data better? And I believe that it's been pretty well received. And I will tell you this, I can't count how many customers that I've, that I've reached out to. And we've talked about things, whether it be this, that, and the other, I've had plenty of them say, I didn't know that I've been using iron guides for years. And I just never thought to ask that question or it just never dawned on me that that's how y'all do things. Yeah. That's the stuff that I like hearing because that is, that's just educating your customer. Sure. And I feel like that, uh, that we need to do that more now than ever, because I do feel like that moving forward, our customer will need us more now than they have in quite some time. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think it's going to be continued. This is a, uh, the cool thing about where we're headed right now, John, is that no longer how long, no longer, no matter how long you've been in the business or I've been in the business or the guy that's got, 50 years of experience, nothing like mm-hmm. this has ever been ahead of us before. So this is a totally blank slate and it's kind of cool to be, the, be a part of the groups of people that get to figure this out. And when we're, when we're 80 years old and we can sit down and tell our predecessors here that are our 
people come back into the business like that. I remember back when you know, about, you know, we can have those remember back when old man stories now. So I'm excited. It's about like it. the, it's like the gentleman that talk about, I remember back in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. Interest rates was 20 plus percent. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, the government was paying farmers not to farm and you know, so on. So I wasn't even born then. So. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. So all right, John, probably a good place to stop right there. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing, how to get a hold of you. Um, you know, if they want to, chime in with some with some uh feedback for you what's the best way to do that best way to do that would be to reach out to you can reach out to support which would be supported ironsolutions.com um that would probably be the be the best way the best way to do it um you can contact me uh my email address is john womack j-o-n-w-o-m-m-a-c-k at randallreilly.com contact me directly and most of the time that ends up in a phone call and I love to reach out to customers. Love to talk, love to talk to them. If a customer just wants to re- wants to reach out to me, just talk about the market. Hey, that is great. I'm an equipment guy. I love talking about the market. I'm not just a daily guy. I'm also an equipment guy and I do love the ag industry. It's been a part of my life ever since I was five years old. So this is something that I very, very much love and very much Love to talk, love to talk to people about it. You know, that's the reason why we all, why we all do these podcasts and, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So that's why to, that's a way to do that. Um, other than that, you can, you know, catch me out at Moving Iron. We'll definitely be at Moving Iron this year. Very much looking forward to that. And that being in our backyard again this year, that, that'll be, uh, that'll be great. Don't be shy. Come up and talk, come up and talk to us and ask us as many questions as you want to. There's, there's no big, there's no small. It's just a question. And all feedback is good feedback. And I'm not going to think that someone's calling my baby ugly or anything like that. Uh, you know, we want to know how we can improve. We want to know how we can be more relevant. And sure. the only way that we can do that is getting feedback from our customers. Right on, John. Well, John, I appreciate uh, appreciate you and all the folks over there at Iron Solution, Randy Riley, for uh, being a part of this podcast. Thanks to Casey and John for sharing their conversation with us. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.